welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Lois Prenz, who's a certified clinical hypnotherapist and a hypnotism trainer with over three decades of working with patients who suffer from chronic pain. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Welcome, Lois, to the um, program. We're excited to have you on. And um, Lois is a certified hypnotherapist and hypnotism and trainer. She has over three decades of time dedicated to working with clients experiencing chronic pain. She has created a 15-hour digital training entitled thinkawaypain.net, which is about to be approved by the NMNA for continuing education accreditation. So Lois, what does NMNA stand for again? You told me once. Yeah, that's New Mexico Nursing Association, and they're working with a national accrediting body, uh, and they're looking at my materials as we speak. Great. So um, that will be a huge, huge step for uh, training doctors and uh, nurses to, you know, especially nurses for their continuing education. So. And Lois has produced 25 hypnosis CDs. She's been busy and co-authored the Heart of Hypnosis and Deep Healing Workbook with a Dr. Emmett Miller, MD. And she's the only hypno- hypnotist holding certification in nutritional pain management. So as most of my audience knows, um, we don't use the term mind-body so much. We look at it as more of a unit. We're really working just calming things down and creating safety. And I was like, I think most of a lot of other people looked at hypnotism as sort of the entertainment type model of some sort of a gimmicky type thing. And I'm going to say my piece. You're going to correct me on this one. But my understanding of hypnotism as far as medical hypnotism has been very beneficial in my practice. I had a couple of people in Seattle I worked with. I've got a friend of mine in Palo Alto who um, does, um, he's a pediatrician, but he does um, hypnotherapy. And I'll have you explain in a second your real perspective. My, my orthopedic perspective, which is not very refined as far as hypnotism goes, is just very, very um, deep states of relaxation. Is that a fair statement? Well, I think that that's an outcome, but that's not necessarily what hypnosis is. Okay. Uh, I, I would call it more of a state of present centered awareness. Okay. Uh, so, um, yeah, a lot of hypnosis, the Greek god of sleep. <laughs> so okay. most people think it's sweet, but it, it truly is um, an, an altered state of awareness. So let me ask you a different question then. So again, I think you said it much better than I did. That's essentially what I was trying to say is that you basically are changing the sensory input into your nervous system that can affect the perception of chronic pain. Is that a better statement? Not only fair, but I think that perception is what I'm hanging everything on. If you alter the perception, you alter the experience, the... um, uh, emotion of pain and altering the experience uh, can give you a different, more positive outcome. Does that make sense? Yes. And you've been doing this for a while. How did you end up focusing on chronic pain? That's not the usual focus. 
No, it, it truly isn't. But that's changing, let me tell you. Um, you know, I've been playing this game since 1987, 1988, when I kind of uh, got bold and charged people to work with me. And that made me a professional hypnotherapist. So I've been doing it for a long time. And when I first started out, Dave, I was doing the typical smoking and weight loss and regression and everything that people expected. And it wasn't that I was bored with it, but I, I soon lost that um, connection to regression as a therapeutic tool. I know it's a great tool for many people. For me, it didn't work that great. So my focus, um, you know, was becoming the best smoking cessation therapist, the, you know, the best weight loss. I wanted to be the best, but it still wasn't meeting the need until I physically found that I needed to have hypnosis for chronic pain relief. And uh, being in the hospital led me to different scenarios and understanding of how medicine works. So, so, so quick question. So let's go back for a second. So um, let's talk about smoking, for, for example, which is a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. How effective is hypnosis for smoking cessation? <laughs> I tell people I'm always 100% effective. <laughs> hypnosis is always effective. I don't know if the patient or client is always effective, but hypnosis always works. And um, I have kept stats over the years and my smoking is up way up there. It's like 90%. And I think the reason why is because I have white hair. <laughs> People tend to trust my experience okay. and my confidence in them. And smoking has always been a, a high result, a high success. High success. Mm -hmm. Then you said you have a... Um hypnosis and nutrition combination background? How, how does that work? Yes. Well, um, I went to Boston Harvard Auditorium for a couple weekends and learned everything that I didn't even know existed on the planet about FODMAPs and how they can wreak havoc with um, gut pain. Uh, I know you have an interest in the vagus nerve, which is that communication between the gut and the brain. And so, you know, we're just stepping into some very, very interesting territory that has never really been ours to work with before. So I'm, I'm excited to have an opportunity to expose some of these ideas to your listeners and let them know that there's, you know, there's always room for improvement, always room for learning. In fact, I think if you were to ask me what's my number one biggest concern about uh, hypnosis and guided mindfulness today is the practitioner. What do you mean by that? Well, um, they get their degree and they put out a shingle and they start working with people. And after four or five years, they know everything that there is to know and they don't need to learn anything else. Right. So that's my problem is, you know, as an educator is to keep them engaged and keep them learning new things. Uh, personally, I consider myself an out of the box thinker. I don't, you know, I am well versed in hypnosis and hypnosis history and protocols and hypnosis. But uh, a lot of my work comes, you know, from uh, thinking a little differently about things. Uh, one of the things that we chatted about the first time is that you had it all over your website. And, and it's great, you know, um, pain-free, live pain-free. And I challenged you on that because in my way of thinking, um, the literal subconscious mind could be, hey, no charge, free pain. <laughs> Right. Being uh, tongue in cheek and a, and a little, you know. I but <laughs> changed that quite a bit of it. I don't think that's, uh, I do think the pain free um, terminology is misleading. I mean, life comes at you every day. Pain is part of life. Mm 
and you have to process it in order to survive. And pain is just a signal that says danger. Mm-hmm. So the, there's acute pain, of course, which lasts for a few minutes. It keeps you alive and protective. And then chronic pain, of course, is pain that doesn't stop. And that, of course, is not very useful. So the idea is you break that cycle of chronic pain, which is sort of this endless, relentless barrage of unpleasant sensations. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, pain keeps coming at us. But once you have the tools of how to calm down your body's inflammatory response, metabolism, using some of your techniques, um, you don't have to be stuck in it. That's really a better terminology. Right. Well, you know, I, I like the public. Uh, identity of pain-free because that says, oh, there's hope, you know. Um, I'm just saying as a hypnotherapist, it's not my goal to make sure that they are pain-free. It's my goal that, let's say, they turn down the rheostat or turn it to, you know, turn down the furnace, however you want to play with their metaphors, but um, that to expect to be pain-free when there is no such thing, really. I mean, if you're not in physical pain, there's emotional pain, spiritual pain, uh, psychological pain. So pain is who we are. Like like you said, um, we all experience pain, but it it, it, it is really a gift. <laughs> and someone who's suffering with back pain may think I'm crazy and wacky right now. But um, I remember this story years and years and years ago of a little four-year-old girl who was born without any receptors on, uh, without any pain receptors on her cells. And she had no uh, awareness of pain. And by the time she was four, she had bit off two fingers, plucked out an eye, bruises and bones broken because she would bump into things. There was nothing to tell, there was nothing to protect her. Right. So it, there's... You're right, Dave, pain, pain is uh, a gift and it's protection. It keeps us from future harm too. So I'd like to stand up just for a second because I think it's really an important part of what we're trying to do. So yeah, there's a disease called congenital indifference to pain, which mm-hmm. you just described. There's a book out called Pain, the Gift That Nobody Wants, written by Dr. Paul Brand, who is a personal friend of mine and one of the most inspiring human beings I've ever met. He was a hand surgeon. He worked with lepers in India. Then he came to the U.S. and worked with diabetics. And the problem with, in his book, he pointed out that people have congenital indifference to pain can't live more than about 10 to 15 years. They don't survive because they can't protect themselves. Mm -hmm. But I will say that, um, again, I think acute pain is necessary for survival. It's powerful. It's much more powerful than the conscious brain. And it's a gift. It is a gift. But chronic pain is not. Yeah, things go a little haywire with chronic pain. Right. And, and, and we have to treat it differently too, don't we? Correct. So how would you, in your words, describe chronic pain compared to acute pain? Acute pain, again, means pain that comes and goes. It's, it's appropriate to the situation right. and is part of life. Same thing with even mental pain, emotional pain, which are processed in the same part of the brain. Mm-hmm. Again, that all comes and goes every day. But the again, when I talk about chronic pain, and I had it for 15 years myself, um, it's unrelenting. Mm-hmm. So if I wasn't having burning in my feet or ringing in my ears or anxiety, there'd always be one of my 17 symptoms that was present all the time. Right. So that's gone. Again, that's a different story. So how would you describe, how would you define from your perspective, chronic pain? Okay. Well, the technical definition is pain that doesn't go away for at least three months. I call it chronic after six months. Personally, I won't work with someone until they're really in, you know, until we know what's going on with them. 
Um, so six months of having similar symptoms is usually how I'll pick up the definition for chronic, ongoing, long-lasting uh, pain. Oftentimes, that's the hardest pain to deal with. You know, acute, let's say you have a toothache, you can do a little hypnotic trick and freeze the hand or numb the hand and put it on the tooth that aches and transfer that numbness to the tooth, uh, a classic, classic technique. Uh, but you can't do that with chronic pain. And uh, I think what we can do is as they alter the perception of their um, discomfort. Now, I, I, that's another thing. I never use the word pain. <laughs> I never use the word pain. I always right. use the word discomfort. The subconscious doesn't hear the dis, the negative right. word, and it just hears comfort. So my clients don't hear me use the word because every time I use the P word, I'm, you know, reinforcing the notion of pain. So my, my gig is, you know, it's all about comfort. It's about accepting, uh, you know, I have a I have all sorts of things, you know, 24 seven, I still live with pain, but um, accepting and committing to that acceptance is a huge, huge part of that recovery. And that comes from altering the perception. So uh, one time I had a, a little cancer under my eye removed and it hurt like heck that night. And I went into a very, very deep place of guided mindfulness or trance or hypnosis. And when I emerged, I said to myself, wow, that's what healing feels like. Huh. Interesting. I, I had reframed it in my mind from, oh my God, this is ridiculous pain to, oh, my body's already taking care of itself. So right. that's an idea of reframing so you feel more comfortable. I, I, I appear to the public as a hypnotic pain relief. But I use the word pain because they wouldn't understand if I said hypnotic comfort and relief. Right. So you meant to, you meant yes, you suggested a question for me, which I just want to clarify um, about guided mindfulness compared to hypnosis, that they're sort of interchangeable concepts. Is that a fair statement? Well, I think so. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, being out of the box, but if you think of it, guided mindfulness is kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? You know, it doesn't, it, it's kind of contradictive, but... Um, I'm sorry, why do you say that? Well, um, guided means that you or someone is involved with this, and mindfulness usually is just, uh, you know, it, it, it's a different, um, different brainwave pattern than you would have in normal conscious awake awakeness. And Good it's point. very similar in pattern to hypnosis. And not only that, but um, it's uh, non-judgmental, it's non-reactive, it's a present state of awareness, it's um, been proven to buffer the effects of stress-related uh, chronic pain issues. So uh, there's also involved with both of them intentionality of hypnotherapy and guided mindfulness is the same. The physical and mental state of safety and calm is the same, is the same whether you're using guided mindfulness or hypnotherapy, that there's really, I've concluded rightly or wrongly, that there's no difference, that they truly are interchangeable and that they both utilize this concept of present moment awareness. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's so important, Dave, uh, to use words that are more meaningful to the client. And uh, 
there's still a problem with the word hypnosis in 2021, you know? Right. When I tell people <clears throat> that I'm a professional hypnotherapist, I get one response. If I tell them that I provide guided mindfulness to create more comfort in their lives, there seems to be unanimous and acceptance and agreement on the part of my seeing to be client. So if there's an underlying fear of being hypnotized, number one, I haven't done my job in overcoming those fears. And number two, here's the one thing that keeps people from uh, hypnotizing themselves to begin with. So uh, I, I am using them interchangeably and I'll probably get a lot of flack for it, but that's okay. <laughs> so I'd like to finish up this section a little bit with just the final goal. And I'd like to do the next um, session on what you actually do during a session. But I'm curious about that with hypnosis, you, you achieve an altered state of consciousness, which changes your perception of pain, correct? That's right. Perception okay. of pain. And what's that altered mm -hmm. state look like and feel like? In other words, what, do, what let's, say I'm in, let's say I'm coming to your office with my usual ringing in my ears, back pain, mm -hmm. anxiety. Let's say I've got those things going, which I have had in the past. And I come to you because I'm just not pulling out of it very quickly. What state of consciousness are, am I trying to achieve with your technique or you're right. trying to get me to achieve? That's a, that's a smarter question than you realize. <laughs> um, depth of hypnosis is really unimportant except when it comes to dealing with pain. I'm sorry, can you, say, can you say that again? Depth of hypnosis, how deep they go, right. is, is not that important. Okay. Uh, what is important is the intention and goal struck before you work with them. What is important is that they have a trust uh, in your skills and capabilities and that there's no fear. What is important is that they know that they remain 100% in total control. Now, how do we know they're hypnotized therapeutically from a hypnotist stand? Uh, there are ways to ratify the trance while they're in trance. One, uh, you can't see their blood pressure dropping, <laughs> but you can see the respiration dropping. And um, they're usually, um, when they start to go into a trance state, they go from breathing uh, high up in the chest to belly breath. So I'm looking to see when they shift their breath so I can tell that oh, this is the time to go in there and just load them with all sorts of reframe suggestion management. Um, another way you can tell is uh, oftentimes if they're in a chair or a recliner, the, the feet will spread apart and, and drop apart. You can tell that they're going into hypnosis when they drool or they uh, lacrimate. You know, if there's excessive tearing, that's actually a sign of hypnosis. So you can tell uh, watching them uh, as the mouth drops open, especially on command, or if they lick their lips when you give them a command to lick their lips uh, and they don't know they're doing it, like I'll say, there might be a desire to lick your lips right now. And if they do that in trance, and I know that they're taking the suggestions and I just, that's where I go in and do my Got work. It. And how many sessions like that are required to make a dent in people's chronic pain? Right. Normally it's a brief intervention protocol. I don't want to tell people hypnosis is long and drawn out, but when it comes to pain, you really have to condition uh, the client patient. Uh, you condition them with uh, sending them home with CDs, with them practicing, uh, so that the more that they listen, uh, the more that they get this message installed within, the less objection there is to it, the less critical thinking is involved, and the more acceptance of 
of uh, improvement. And uh, I don't just say these as idle words. I, I I'm sure you don't do what? I, I don't say this uh, idly. I say it because I use it every day of my life. I, I practice what I preach, I guess you could say. It, 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 so what does that look like? You say you practice what you preach every day. You talk about your own relaxation tools, et cetera. Oh my goodness, yes. Uh, I recently had a hospitalization for a week during COVID. <laughs> and um, most of the time I was in state. I spent most of my time in state when I was in the hospital. And, and you, got, I'm sorry, you had COVID, is that correct? Oh, no, I was in a hospital that had COVID patients <laughs> and I didn't really want to spend a week there. Right. But, um, yeah, I, it, was, it was a touch and go experience for a little while and kind of hallucinations. And, you know, I've had a near death, well, I've, I've actually uh, almost been proclaimed, uh, but it was a near death experience. And, and uh, I, I know what that is. I don't fear it at all, but um, that, that, was, that was very, a very unusual experience, so. So um, I'd like to finish up this section here. And mm -hmm. I know you're not doing as much patient care as you used to. You're mostly training practitioners. And you have, again, could you talk about your website? Your, your website is thinkpainaway.net. Right. You're thinkpainaway.net. Training practitioners. So is there more access to practitioners now than there were, say, like 10 years ago as far as this type of treatment? It, it's still pretty thin out there. There it is, is stuff. Yeah, there's there's some great people that Melissa Day, Joe Tana. I mean, there are people that are out there doing similar things that that we both are doing. Um, but uh, I just think that it's it's not uh, top of mind awareness in most people. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I'd like to see it be more of a go to than heading for the medicine cabinet. You know what what I offer, Dave, is a non invasive non-pharmacological, non-medical. I mean, you're not going to get a lot of A&P from me and a lot of psychology. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm a well-seasoned hypnotherapist. Right. So, so I, I don't want to give the impression that this is medical in any way, but I, I think that's that's what's so good about it. Right. Is that it is, you know, for the layman. And that was my challenge in creating these three levels of training uh, for the person who's suffering and for the practitioner as well. And I had, I knew both people were going to have eyeballs on this training. So it, it was pretty challenging, but I, I've been told I, I met the challenge well. Okay. Well, Lois, thank you very much. We'll um, reconvene in a few minutes for the next podcast where we'll spend more on the actual sessions. I'm also really curious about self-hypnosis, which I've heard a little bit about. Maybe it's not relevant, but I like to learn about that a little bit. My wife tells me I need to calm down a little bit. So um, anyway, <laughs> but know, thank she's you. Right. They're always right. Those wives are never, ever wrong. <laughs> I know. Anyway, thank you very, very much. You bet. Take care. I'd like to thank our guest, Lois Prince, for being on the show today and for sharing the evolution of her approach to treating chronic pain patients with hypnotherapy. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.